USC has just two years left in the Pac-12, and one of them is 2022. Record prediction and how this season might play out for Lincoln Riley and the Trojans this season. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play by play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. I appreciate all of you out there who have done so already. And we are now getting into a point here on the show where, as you listen to this, I am not actually where I am. As I'm talking to you right now. Yes, it's this really neat feature where uh, on podcasts, you can listen to them whenever you want, but I can record them whenever I want. And since uh, as you listen to this, I will be traveling and on vacation all throughout the Pacific Northwest. I'm recording this well ahead of time. So if there's a piece of news that uh, that, that drops that you want to ask me about, I'm not going to be doing new shows because my internet will be pretty spotty or uh, mildly existed. It'll be there, but it just won't be good enough to do uh, shows and whatnot. But if you want to ask me a question about something, best place to do that is going to be the Twitter DMs at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. But I'm going to be doing these over under win totals and uh, schedule predictions, season predictions for all of the teams starting today, going all through next week, because I can do that ahead of time. And uh, that's just how it's working out for my schedule. Then I'll come back, we'll be back live, and then we'll uh, get things rolling once again. But we're starting today with USC and how their season might play out in in 2022. Now, according to our friends at Bet Online, sponsor here at the Locked On Podcast Network, we thank them for being just that. Uh, they have got the over/under win total at nine and a half in 2022. Remember, that's uh, not a conference win total. It's overall, just so we're clear, we're on the same page. Now, in 2021, it was nine. The Trojans, of course, won four, but they've got a different head coach now. But I still found that fascinating, and I think it is important context to understand that the over-under being at 9.5 means that this year, Vegas thinks USC going in should be about a half game better than what they should have been last year. Now, does that mean they're going to win five games this year instead of four? No, I don't don't see that playing out, and we're going to go through each game on the schedule as we will do for, for every team here on the show. And before I get into USC's schedule, because I know there are plenty of you out there who might want to bark at me for some of these uh, results and takes and whatnot, just so we all remember, Lincoln Riley in 2021 was the head coach at Oklahoma. He'd been there for three years. That was his fourth as the head coach, and he'd been there a couple as the offensive coordinator with recruits that he had brought in year in and year out, and the guys that he wanted, which is something he is not going to have entirely in his first year at USC, though in some sense he will because of the addition to the one-time freebie transfer rule that the NCAA came down with. But a year ago, Lincoln Riley was the head coach for all of these games. A 40-35 to win at home against Tulane an American conference team that won just one game in that conference. And no, for those of you who are jumping to an even bigger conclusion, I'm not about to tell you USC is going to win six games in 2022. I think they will win far more than that. 
but I just want to have this context out there because Lincoln Riley objectively had a better overall roster and a lineup of guys to to roll out a season ago than he will have this year, though he will have quite a bit of talent. You can't compare that to two or three years of top 10 caliber recruiting classes being on your team that he had at Oklahoma. Also last year, a 16 to 13 win against West Virginia, a 23 to 16 win against three and nine Nebraska, a 35 23 win at Kansas. I can't believe they still even have a football program, though they just beat Texas, which is kind of funny. But uh, he lost to Baylor 27 to 14. Uh, that was even with Caleb Williams. Some of these games had Spencer Rattler. Others did not. Uh, I believe in the list that I'm uh, outlining here, Williams started as of the Kansas game. A 28-21 to win against Iowa State. Again, a win. I believe it. I think, it was, I think that was at Iowa State. I think I wrote that down wrong. Again, a win, but by seven points against a program that Oklahoma is a much bigger, more established brand than comparatively. And then, of course, they lost in Bedlam in a crazy game, 33-31 to in Stillwater. So, let's go through their schedule, and I'll tell you the result of each game as I see it right now. I don't expect there to be major changes before the season starts because we're pretty late in the summer, even as I am recording this on July 21st. And it is dropping on Monday, August 8th, and we will just keep doing this as the days go on so that you've got content to to listen to that is relevant to the upcoming season. But I'm also able to do ahead of time so that I can go and enjoy my final vacation of the summer days. And again, you want to send me a message, you want to tell me I'm a buffoon, or you want to tell me I'm a genius, you can do either one at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. Best way to do that. I won't be checking YouTube comments quite as often as normal. So first game of the year for Lincoln Riley, September 3rd, my birthday against Rice. Rice is a college in Houston, by the way, for those of you who did not know. And uh, this game is being played in Los Angeles. And I do not see a big game one letdown here in what would be a monumental upset even though USC's roster is not as good now as it will be in a couple years, that's going to be a big, comfortable win. They'll score a bunch of points, send the home fans, going home happy, 1-0, USC will begin. Now, the next week, because USC plays uh, Notre Dame, they start their conference play earlier, and uh, it, it is against another team that plays Notre Dame. That is Stanford. They go on the road, a game that USC lost a season ago at home, in somewhat surprising fashion, especially given how Stanford season uh, played out last year. But the final score, let me double check the score of that uh, of that game because I think it was a, a bit of a a bit of a surprising one. Um, yeah, 42 to 28. The Cardinal came down and hung 28 or 42 points on on the Trojans in the Coliseum. That was a recurring theme for USC in 2021. They couldn't defend very well. I think even if their defense is just mildly improved, uh, their game management and offense will be, I mean, their offense statistically can't get a ton better than last year when you're comparing to other Pac-12 schools, but it it still should improve uh, at least a touch. I think they were first in yards, but only fifth in points. So they should score uh, a little bit more. I think Stanford's poised for a bounce back year. They do have some talented recruiting classes there, but early in the year, I don't know if they're putting it all together to the point where, you know, they're able to compete with, uh, with USC who, you know, still are going to have to make some adjustments themselves with regards to getting everybody to play together. But 
even in Palo Alto, where there's not going to be a huge home field advantage, maybe a little more so because it's the Trojans, I will take USC to win that game by by 10 to 20 points. I think they win comfortably. Stanford kind of hangs around for a little bit. And ultimately, I don't think their offense is going to be sufficiently explosive to to hang with, uh, hang with the Trojans. So I think USC will just kind of outscore them there, which will be a recurring theme in their wins in 2022 in my eyes, and I'm sure the eyes of many of you as well. So I think they will improve to 2 and the final game before they begin conference play in earnest and Notre Dame comes later in the year is Fresno State. Is that a trap game? I'll tell you after I tell you that as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, moving through uh, the rest of USC schedule here, I've got them starting 2-0, and which I'm sure will make Trojan fans happy uh, should that come to pass. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to look at Fresno State and what they did last year against Pac-12 opponents, beating UCLA, very nearly beating Oregon, uh, both those games on the road, and they'll say, hey, be careful. Be, be careful, USC. You don't want to mess with Fresno State, and it's true. You don't. It's not a team you want to you know, take lightly. And Jake Hayner is still there, and Jeff Tedford is back as the Bulldogs' head coach. But I think anytime you lose a, a head coach at a Group of Five school, it can be tough. And I don't think this game will be as close as as people imagine. It's in LA, and if you've got two wins and no losses to start the year, that combined with the Lincoln Riley and Big Ten hype should create a, a pretty good home field environment. Uh, for for the Trojans to play in front of there. So that game on September 17th against Fresno State, I, I think USC again wins comfortably there, and they go to 3-0. and oh. uh, Now the interesting games start to uh, come around. Remember how I, how I started this show, bringing up the games that Lincoln Riley uh, lost and very nearly lost a season ago at Oklahoma? Going to start to become relevant here in, uh, in just a moment. September 24th, USC goes at Oregon State, who unfortunately for the Beavs are going to have a lessened home field advantage because Reeser won't be at max capacity. I think they're playing some games in Hillsborough. It's a weird situation, but they're getting a new stadium. It will not be entirely done, so they're not going to be able to be at, uh, at their maximum capacity for fans there. And that's a place... Where USC has lost before, I know Trojan fans have got some demons in the back of their minds from way back in the day when Pete Carroll was there. He lost, I think, twice in Corvallis. So it's happened before. And there is something about college football stadiums and matchups that just seem to always work out in a, in a certain way. Like two teams play and you just know, well, that might be kind of crazy. Last year was crazy in the sense that Oregon State walked in the Coliseum and basically ran the Trojans off the field because that's not something we'd seen before. We'd seen Oregon State beat USC before, but not like that. That was uh, one of the early indicators that things were really not going well down in Los Angeles, and they have since, of course, made uh, a massive upgrade at the coaching position. 
Uh, before I give you the final outcome of uh, that game, the following week is October 1st at home against Arizona State. I'm pretty low on the Sun Devils, so I'll take USC at home here, and, and that gets them to win number four. But after Arizona State, they've got Wazoo at home, and then there's that game on the road at Oregon State. I think USC is going to lose one of those two games, which I know sounds blasphemous. I mean, anything not picking USC to go 12-0 and is ridiculous, right? I mean, not really. Or at least I, I hope not. Um, they call them upsets for a reason. And remember, almost lost to Tulane at home, a team that went 1-7 and in the American Conference. 16-13 against West Virginia. 23-16 against 3-9 and Nebraska a season ago. Is it a different team? Yep, it is. But a lot of people's initial reaction, I think, to me saying you're going to lose, USC will lose either to Oregon State or Washington State is, oh, Lincoln Riley's not going to lose to those sorts of programs. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Came pretty close a season ago. Doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. And it's not as if anyone is expecting him, at least I hope, to go 12 and 0. I mean, that's just not a realistic, uh, that, that's not a realistic bar to set for even a coach with as high a pedigree as, as Lincoln Riley possesses. So, that Washington State game on October 8th is is kind of tough to predict. USC at home, yeah, that should help. They should have a decent number of wins on the resume already. But the reason Wazoo is really hard to predict at this point before the season has begun is what does Cam Ward look like at quarterback at that point in time? If he's closer to his ceiling than his floor, Washington State could... Once again, be playing sneaky good defense with Jake Dickert. They've improved in that category dramatically, and they were pretty solid a season ago. And if Cam Ward is able to to sling the pigskin around somewhat of the way he was able to at the FCS level and find some success, then that that could be a really tough team to beat. My instinct here is, you know, Jake Dickert is still a relatively new head coach at the Power Five level. So I would lean towards uh, Lincoln Riley not losing that one compared to the Oregon State game. But again, upsets happen. Um, and and I, I thought about this for a while. I've got them 5-1 and one after uh, October 8th. I think they'll squeak it out against Wazoo. But I, I'm going to take them to lose that game against Oregon State, a team that I think is uh, definitely on the ascension in the Pac-12. And again, I know it'll sound ridiculous, but that's why they call them upsets. Um, And and there's just, there's a little bit of history there losing in that place. And I know it's a different coach, different players, different team. And yet every school has that one team or that one matchup where they go, oh gosh, it's that one. It's just that, that one always comes down to this or that one is just, gosh, I don't know. It's always there. It's just a weird thing about college sports. So I, I think the Beavs, We'll find a way to get it done. Um, if Chance Nolan can take a step forward from what he was a year ago, in which he was very solid, then that will help. But the offensive line, I think, is looking good for Oregon State. And the defensive line for USC is a little bit of a question mark. They're hoping Corey Foreman can take a big leap forward. But Oregon State will want to come out and run the ball, be efficient in the passing game. And if their new defensive coordinator can do just enough, then um, they, they'd have a really great chance there. And you can't pick a team to go 12-0 because uh, in a coach's first year, that's just not going to happen. So I'll take the Beavs to get that win on September 24th. And then uh, USC comes back and wins at home. Next week will be loss number two, October 15th at Utah. 
when you look at the schedule for USC, there are three games that just on the surface, on paper, right, without doing a deep dive into the matchups, the history of the players or anything like that, you just say, knowing what the teams are, that's a losable game. And this is probably the most losable game on the schedule. Utah is really tough at home. They are really tough at home. They sell the place out. They go nuts. I think they're going to repeat as Pac-12 champs this year because they're returning so much production from a team that was just playing lights-out football over the second half of the season in particular. And it's it's a good team with a good home crowd and a good coach. I think that's I think that's loss number two, right? And, and the three losable games that that I'm talking about there on paper are uh, Utah, UCLA, and then Notre Dame. I don't think USC is going to lose all of them, but I don't think they're going to win all of them or uh, um, either. I don't think they're going to lose all of them. I don't think they're going to win all of them either. You can start winning though. If you use Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, NFL, NBA, NHL Combat, NHL Combat Sports, Esports, and even golf. Pretty sure NHL counts as a combat sport. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's take a breath. Just recap where we're at. Six and two. I, I think that is, uh, or sorry, five and two after October 15th. Is that enough to have USC in the top 25? Yeah, maybe, right? Name brand recognition. Uh, Lincoln Riley being there. I think if you're a 5 1 team at that point, you're probably in the top 25 um, because a loss to Utah, who I think could be really, really good once again, not going to be too punitive for you. Uh, the next week, they have a bye on October 22nd, and then they come back on October 29th, and they go at Arizona. Lincoln Riley and USC at Arizona off a bye. I think the Wildcats are doing some nice things on the recruiting trail. I think their roster is certainly better. I really like the addition of Jaden Delora. But they're not ready yet. So USC wins, and they go to 6-2. and two. Next week, and there are four games left in the regular season here, coming down the stretch, uh, you're at home against Cal. USC at home against Cal. They lost to Cal last year. That was after Clay Helton had been fired, and uh, Keaton Slovis had gone down, and Jackson Dart was uh, was in there at quarterback and, and playing solidly well, but they couldn't score a whole lot of points against a stingy Bears defense, and it, it once again will be good. But USC losing to Cal, a 5-7 and seven Cal team, that can't feel really good if you're a USC fan, which is why I don't expect that to happen again this year. The Bears were 5-7 and seven last year, started slow, came on strong at the end. I kind of think they're going to be a team that takes a step back. Jack Plummer coming in from Purdue at quarterback. Don't love the addition. I mean, he got benched at Purdue. So I just don't think that that's the sort of move that they needed to make for, for their next signal caller. They're always going to play good defense. That's always been the case. But for them, it's can they score enough points? And I, I don't think there's a way they'll score 
They, they might not score 20 points <laughs> in a game like that. Though USC's defense, I don't expect to be at, at the at a high high level just yet. So we don't ever expect it to get to a high level. Frankly, with Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch there, because it's never at that high level at Oklahoma, and it doesn't have to be. It just has to be enough. Um, but still, Cal struggles to score points. I, I think the the players that are holdovers from USC's roster from a season ago um, motivate the guys an extra level and say we're USC. We're not losing a cow two years in a row. So I'll take the Trojans to win right there and uh, and push them to 7-2. and two. Next week, uh, I believe it's a Friday, I don't know, or November 11th. Uh, they've got Colorado at home. Um, those are about two of the worst teams that you could play back-to-back in the Pac-12 at home. So I think that's going to be big for USC because they're going to have some momentum going into uh, their game the following week at UCLA. Um, I, I've got, again, I've got low expectations for the buffs. Don't expect to see an upset there. Uh, and I wouldn't expect that from Cal or Arizona either. So coming off of a bye, they go Arizona, Cal, Colorado, which should have you kind of tuned up for this game against UCLA and have you feeling really confident and coming off of three straight wins. And they should be eight and two, uh, going into that game. And it's tough. It's tough with these final two games of the year for USC, both for uh, the Trojans from a scheduling perspective, but also for me to try to make predictions. One thing with uh, the UCLA game you have to keep in mind is a season ago in the Coliseum, this was a 62-33 to game. 62-33. to Offense was not the problem for USC. You think, well, you got Lincoln Riley, you're going to be better. Well, if Lincoln Riley scored 35 points in a game, you'd look up and say, yeah, see, Lincoln Riley's a really good offensive mind, which he is. 62 points on your home field. I still can't believe that happened. Um, I expect USC's defense to be better. They've brought in some transfers who should be able to help. I think the defensive line is still a question mark, but Shane Lee from Bama might be a guy who plays. They brought in Blackman from Colorado. Maybe he sees time in the secondary. But just ask yourself this question. You allowed that many points to your crosstown rival on your home field. Do you think in year one, under a staff that never put together an elite defense at at Oklahoma and was not known for that, do you think they're going to be that much better in year one? I don't think USC's defense could get much worse than what it was a season ago, but is it going to be that much better? I don't know. And closing the season here, that's why, you know, there are advantages and disadvantages to every scheduling situation. But you got kind of three tune-ups coming in, so the USC offense should be clicking on all cylinders, right? Arizona's primary additions have come on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Cal, that'll be a tough defense and a good test for for USC. They should be able to score points because they'll have just so much offensive talent there, but Cal knows how to play defense. They also tend to milk the clock offensively to limit the number of points you can score. Colorado, I think you can just blow them out uh, pretty, pretty easily because they're just, they've got a depleted roster and they were four and eight a season ago. So you come into UCLA and Notre Dame. I think they go one and one here. I, I, I think they go one and one. I could argue either side for which game they win. I don't foresee. Because these games are late in the year, I think it's a net positive for USC. You have them late in the year, so 
with all the transfers and, and every team to some extent has to deal with, you know, building that sort of chemistry with one another and, you know, finding your, your rhythm, finding, you know, how you play best as a team and such. Every team tends to play their best football at the end of the season, right? So you want to be doing that when you play at UCLA and then Notre Dame at home. Now, the Irish have a better overall roster than uh, than USC because they've recruited at a higher level for the past several years. But I don't know what Marcus Freeman is as a head coach. I know what Lincoln Riley is as a head coach, but I don't know what it's going to be like exactly at USC in year one. I obviously have theories. I've got ideas. But to concretely say, I know how this team is going to be at that point, you don't know. Um, it could be a massive game. I mean, the eyes of the college football world could be on uh, on the on the Coliseum that night on November 26th when USC takes on Notre Dame. If both have nine or even 10 wins going into it, that's a big, big game in, in college football. Big brands, big implications, uh, all, all sorts of things to, to dissect there. Um, but it's tough. It's the, I, I didn't actually make a decision before I came on to record because I thought it would kind of come to me as I was going along because as I was prepping for USC schedule, I was just like, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, is UCLA really going to win two in a row against USC? Yeah, they could. They've got a lot more continuity going for them. But assuming full health, yeah, man, it's it's tough. Um but I think the, the I, I think that is what will ultimately yeah, that that's what's gonna bring me down here on the side of UCLA wins again at home. Even though it's not a huge home field advantage, I think we get a decent number of fans. I expect UCLA to be pretty good this year. And you know, having DTR and Zach Charbonnet, it's a great a great combo. They've done really well in the transfer portal themselves. So I'll take the loss for USC against UCLA. And I, I, I think they beat Notre Dame. I think that's kind of the first flagship win for, for Lincoln Riley as, uh, as USC's head coach. And I think that that's a massive one. So overall record prediction, 9-3 and three with losses to Utah, UCLA, and then one of Oregon State or Washington State. I'll go with the Beavs, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Cougs who uh, pull a little upset there. 7-2 and two in conference play, third in the Pac-12 South. Inside the top 25, definitely. Right, you still have the Pac-12. You go nine and three. USC will probably be in the twenty-ish range by by the end of the year. Um, and I, I'm sure plenty of you have disagreements with you know how I'm choosing these games or the outcomes that I see coming. Would I be surprised at ten and two? No. I would also not be super surprised at eight and four. I would be rather shocked at one game in either direction from those marks. Seven and five. I'd be really surprised if USC goes seven and five. I'd be equally surprised if they go eleven and one. It's asking a lot for a coach to come in and turn a program around in one year, even a really good one like Lincoln Riley. Think about Jim Harbaugh. He came to Michigan and did an incredible turnaround, the likes of which you rarely see. Nick Saban got to Alabama, lost to Louisiana Monroe in his first year, and then went on the greatest run in the history of college football that is still continuing to this day. So it can take time even for the great coaches. Now, he's helped a little bit, Lincoln Riley is, by the transfer portal and being able to add more talent ahead of this upcoming season in a way that Nick Saban wasn't able to back then. But Harbaugh came in, took him from under 500 to a 10-3 and season. 
right? They were 10 and one. They lost to Ohio State, their rival, and then they lost in a in a New Year's Six bowl game to to Florida State when they were when they were still good. So um, I wouldn't be shocked at 10 and two. But I'd be pretty surprised at 11-1. That would be a remarkable, remarkable achievement. And, you know, I'm not going to try and predict a bowl game because that's just, you know, uh, too far away. I don't know who the opponent would be. Um, and, and I can't predict whether or not they'll win because I need to see who the opponent is, right? I can go through these games because I know who all, all these teams are and how I feel about all of them. Uh, but generally speaking, at that point in the season, I'd feel pretty good. Coming off a win against Notre Dame, I'd feel pretty good about taking USC in a bowl game. Um Again, opponent dependent, sure, but Lincoln Riley with a couple weeks to prepare tends to be pretty darn good. I appreciate everyone listening. See you tomorrow and have a wonderful rest of your day.